Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie, I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy, and today we are talking to Nasser. Nasser is known in the Pokemon world as Mr. Fuji. Yes, I said Pokemon. Nasser is a collector. Since he's been a child, he's been collecting Pokemon cards. In this episode, he talked to us about his love for the franchise and how he managed to turn, over the years, a childhood passion into a business and a life-changing financial opportunity. Hello, Nasser. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait for this conversation. I've got so many questions, <laughs> but welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time. Uh, Rosie and Jeremy, thank you very much for the invita- invitation. It's really my pleasure and I'm really looking forward to have this uh, little chatty chat all together. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I discovered you, it was about two years ago during the pandemic, um, when in my nerdy geeky bubble uh <laughs> pokemon cards became the biggest hobby in the world i felt <laughs> for me and um i've spent hours and hours in 2020 watching pokemon channel on youtube uh, and in a few videos your name was mentioned and even your face sometimes <laughs> came along in a couple of videos and yeah, that's how I, I, I found you. I discovered that you were a collector. You had amazing cards, amazing pieces that were very rare and stuff. And, and, and that's when I was like digging into the whole hobby, discovering what is a first edition, stuff like that. Just being learning about the Pokemon cards and stuff that I was collecting when I was 10, 11, 13 years old, playing on my yeah. Game Boy back in 99 and stuff like that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and I thought it'd be really cool to have a chat with you to to share to the masses, to the world, uh, this little piece of online that most people like Rosie don't know anything about, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) that not nerd people know about. Um, Because yeah, it's one of the things that happen around the world that we don't know, we don't talk much about. I think it's Mm -hmm. pretty cool to share about it. It can inspire some people here and there, some kids maybe. (laughs) Sure. So maybe awesome. to maybe to start, uh, maybe let's start maybe by just learning a little bit more about you. Do you want to tell us like where you're from? So uh, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Nasser, and uh, in the hobby, people know me as Mr. Fuji. That's my nickname. And uh, I've started collecting at least Pokemon back in 1999, when the Pokemon mania really uh, hit the European continent and the whole wide world. Then. Yeah, and I uh, really. Uh, the dive deep into it. I was already collecting and uh, into Japan animation like Dragon Ball, uh, Zelda games like this. So for me, it was kind of natural to go into that uh, new franchise. And I really, really felt in love with that uh, franchise and especially uh, cards, trading cards. Hmm. And I've heavily collected for, I think, two years from 1999 to 2001. And I became a teenager. I had other interests. <laughs> <laughs> But I was uh, lucky enough to come from um, a family where they are collectors, such as, as my mother. So we never throw away our stuff. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I made a promise to myself that I will go back to the collection, at least Pokemon cards. When I'll be graduated, I'll have a good position. And then I can just as a hobby. So, uh, and then th- that happened in 2014. Mm-hmm. And between 2014, 2016, I was like collecting back and forth, going in, going out. In 2016, uh, I took the collection more seriously for many reasons that we can uh, we can discuss later. And I think for three years, I was like 24/7 doing only but <laughs> only but Pokemon. No, I was only I was only doing Pokemon. That's it, basically. <laughs> Plus other collectibles, but let's say 99% uh, Pokemon. Wow. Yeah. So you started very early. It's not like you didn't join the trend when you became when you be, when you became once again twenty years later a, a, a big thing online. You actually started collecting when the game was released and when the like you said the Pokemania when all the kids that was my age and stuff between ten and fifteen were playing with the Game Boy and stuff like that. You're that's correct. An OG. <laughs> yeah, I start with the. My first, let's say, encounter with the Pokemon item was a Pokemon Red version. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. like, not like that I prefer that version, but that was the only available game 
at that store at that time because they were right. almost all sold out. I went, I went with my mother and uh, it was in Auchan. It's a very famous supermarket in France. Yeah. So I went there and I was and when I discovered the game, it had kinds of similarity with the Zelda game. I think it was a, a link to the uh, Awakening link, link to the past or? No, yeah, I'm not sure of the name, but yeah. the gameplay has some similarity. So it was very easy to uh, to uh, play that game, and I really, really felt it in, felt in love. I was back then a heavy Game Boy player, right. <laughs> even though I was young. I had the chance. We had the chance that at the school where we were, we had the, the we were allowed to bring the Game Boy at the school. Mm. So it was like a dream for a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, uh, all your friends, they were playing, and, and then they. They came up with the cable that you can connect yeah, to, to connect to Game Boys, <laughs> which was crazy back then, and you can exchange Pokemon. So, and then I discovered the cards. It was another universe, and I really, really dived deep, but crazy into it. <laughs> and that, uh, that that that's really my uh, my real love of collecting today. It's back since back then and until today, it's a card by far. Yeah. So when you started collecting as a kind of kid teenager were you actually playing with the cards or were you like oh my god i've got this special one i'm going to keep it to one side it maybe one day it'll be worth a lot of money or did that not even like register were you just playing the financial uh, aspect wasn't there at all they were mm. cards that was expensive back then but they were I, I was lucky to be in paris that time so the 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 offer for cards were were was maybe the highest in france at least so it was very easy to get cards so the market was kind of okay, but as a kid, the financial aspect wasn't the, the main thing. Mm. And I do, I did play at Toys R Us and uh, another shop called La Grande Recré is uh, similar to, uh, to Toys R Us. And it was on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And you, uh, you had to gather some points. And when you have enough points, you could attend the national tournament. Yeah. I went there. First round, I get out, and that was the end of my <laughs> adventure. With, <laughs> of career. <laughs> it was pretty obvious I wasn't made uh, for playing cards. <laughs> and but what's what's interesting is that I, I I did the same. I had the game. I I was getting cards and playing with them and exchanging them with my friend at school and stuff like that. Pokemon and also like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. And but. When I went back home last summer, I looked everywhere in my house to see if I had some cards from back in the days. And I found a binder with Dragon Ball Z cards, but I didn't find anything about Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And because I think, you know, the majority of people are probably like me. Once you grew up, you're 16, 17, okay, I'm in, enough of that. That's going in the trash. And, and, and so many people threw away all those first edition, all those... 1999 and early 2000 cards just yeah you move on in life you next step you're getting an adult so you don't need that anymore uh, what inspire you to keep those cards you, you mentioned about your mom collecting things but yeah yeah basically it's, it's thanks to my mom she's a collector she used to collect uh coins banknotes uh, uh phone cards was a huge thing back then in france <laughs> the cards that you we're putting a machine to, to yeah. machine. Oh wow! They were they were even uh, limited edition uh, things like that. I remember so, that. Yeah, I remembered how she was also um, a heavy stamp collector. Mm. So it was really natural for me to to collect. I start with coins, then then cars, then uh, figures such as Bioman. I don't know the name in English. Bioman. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're familiar with yeah, it, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like a it's like a kind of Power Ranger. Yeah. But another brand of it okay that's, yeah basically that's the power ranger or the the start of power ranger in japan it came from that and when pokemon came it was natural that, we'll, that i will play with it with the game and then when the card came along it was really i, I didn't ask myself it was really a natural process mm. and uh, i was lucky enough that we we don't throw away our things so we might sell we we did a lot of flea markets back then, so that's maybe the the higher risk to see my my things disappearing. But mm. Otherwise, they're all in the box. We have like a, a full uh, storage, <laughs> full of everything you can imagine from late nineties to to today, oh, and wow. that that was my luck. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
But really, I, I felt so much in love with that franchise that I really made a promise to myself that I will continue collecting as a hobby because it was really an enjoyable moment. The two years I had as a kid and teenager, that I really kept that for yeah almost 15 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So you, you grew up, you became a teenager, a young adult, you went to school and stuff. Uh, what, what did you study? Uh, I studied uh, first engineering. Uh, then I, I moved, I shifted <laughs> like 180 and I went to um, auditing, then finance. I finished oh, okay. my last job was finance. <laughs> okay. And so you said you went back into the hobby about collecting in 2014, right? Correct. Summer so how old were you at this time? Something. I was uh, 28, 28, yeah. okay. 28. I, I just got graduated in 20, when I was 27 because I had, I pushed my study uh, uh, longer, I had to push longer. And then I got a job in December and six months later, that was uh, the start of the new adventure. <laughs> so your idea was basically now I'm, I have a salary, I'm making some money every month, I'm going to put aside. Correct. 100 euro whatever it is to just buy some cars yeah. that was, that uh, was to, it, right? to give you a, a honest answer i was earning back then 2300 euros i think mm -hmm. it's roughly 2500 dollars i don't know in pound maybe 2000 yeah half of it was uh, for the <laughs> for the collection half of it wow of it, yeah. <laughs> okay is, that's, back that's then more was, than was a lot a little yeah. hobby <laughs> yeah it was more than a hobby uh, yeah that was when i started i really uh, I, well, I, I was kind of starting slowly, but the more I was going, at the end, it was uh, as much as the elf. Wow. And did it start off as like wanting to get special cards or was it like, oh, I know that if I get this card, I can sell that one. And like, did it, when did it become a business, I guess, is my question. A business, really, the question came in 2016. In 2016, okay. because in 2015, I uh, kind of quit my job. So I stayed mm -hmm. one year uh, without a job and I was in the middle um, at the section of two roads, let's say. It's either I'll go back working, mm -hmm. which was uh, also a good option, or I'll start something uh, new and I'll start to build something that I really enjoy. And I always had, I always had that willing to uh, build a, a company has, uh, to have that entrepreneurship uh, adventure. And mm -hmm. I chose that path. And luckily, it was, I think, the right choice for me. So that's when really uh, I, I made the decision. But in 2015, during that year of, of the, that break year, I was thinking hmm, there is maybe something I can do about it. Not even thinking of acquire a crazy card, but at least make a living out of it and enjoying what I will be doing, not like my previous job. That's, uh, yeah. That was the chain of thought. Yeah. It's interesting because at this time, Pokemon wasn't that big anymore. No, it was like in, a, in, in, a, in the middle of like the yeah, like it, it was big and then kind of went under the radar for most people. And now it's coming back a little bit since the switch and then sold and shield and stuff like that. But that, that was a time where it wasn't really cool anymore. So like, yeah, it's interesting yeah. that you went back at the right time. Yeah, and something really I, I got I got lucky kind of but well, as I say, between 2015 and 16, is, I started really thinking seriously about it. And tw in 2016, I had to make that decision. But what okay. helps me in the process is the, that Pokemon Go was released in 2016. Oh, yeah. And then okay. I saw, like, really the impact of that franchise on people. And I was seeing people, I was already traveling from France to Germany and other places. And I saw people from 7 to up to uh, 50 plus yeah. running in the streets. After uh, <laughs> a, a, a virtual, uh, it was a virtual game, and I was thinking, yeah. it really struck my mind. I was okay, maybe the franchise is bigger than I thought. I crunched some numbers, and I said, hmm, let's let's give it a try for one or two years. I uh, won't regret it. I like the franchise. I like the hobby, the community. Everything was really uh, natural to me again, and and since then, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm there. So I think it has <laughs> worked so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of business, was, what was your idea? Maybe just to like trade cards, like I buy a card for 100 and I sell it for 120. And if I do that every day with 10 cards, I'm going to make money and like yeah. kind of like 
called store. But yeah, basically that was that was it. Yeah. It start it, it's uh, the idea started when I was doing it for my uh, own collection because I was taking from my uh, salary, but I was thinking I can finance the collection by finding cards, selling them or trading them, and it will help uh, grow up my grow up my collection. And at some point it was very uh, kind of logical or natural. I say okay, if I do that professionally to a, a higher level, I can make. Uh, uh, living out of it and for two years I was barely making like the minimum wage and for mm. way more hours so a normal job would have been more beneficial to me I mean financial wise and in 2019 20, 2020 it's really when the market soared and we went to other uh, yeah, levels another level. <laughs> yeah it was yeah. like uh, the rocket really starts to uh, so at this time when like from 2014 to 2016 when you were really digging into pokemon and stuff like that and and when you had this idea about am i focus on that and and stop my career to literally become a, a real pokemon collector and trader uh what was the people around saying about that yeah I, I, my uh my friends usually they always uh uh, encourage me or cherish they say let's go for it we have kind of the same mindset which is great mm. uh, my wife she was she always wants me to be happy so as long as I'm not doing something stupid she mm. should be okay with it and if I make a living out of it it's okay even though <laughs> it could have been struggle, struggling sometime with my mother it was uh, way more difficult when you think of it she was the she's the collector like the main collector in the family but for her, is really it was, and he's still, and it was always a hobby for her. Right. Everything. Mm -hmm. So the 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 thought of making money out of that it was something. It wasn't something really natural natural to her. And I was quitting a very good position and a excellent career that was just uh, just ahead or just in front of me. And um, but at some point she understood that I was really happy, and uh, I really enjoyed the 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 process and the entrepreneurship adventure yeah and uh but she she don't know how much uh, the, my collection can can be worth or something but she mm. she knows that uh, it's working for me so now now she's happy yeah. but that was uh, <laughs> the hardest person to convince <laughs> you, you you say about your your wife wanted you to be happy as long as you don't do anything stupid but i think a lot of wife would i say this is really stupid pokemon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on pokemon are you serious like <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I was lucky with that. Uh, even my uh, my sister and all all of the friends they were very positive about it, and they say, "Go for it." I think there is a shift in generation today where, our, yeah. let's say, our generation, even if I'm mid thirty, uh, I think maybe up to forty and under, they they really uh, you you have more and more people saying it's better to have a job that you can enjoy rather than yeah. a job that you can, you make a lot of money out of it, yeah. but you're really struggling. I was seeing my colleagues and uh, that wasn't the life I was uh, really uh, expecting for myself, even though yeah. the salary was good. Yeah. Mm. And was your wife interested at all in Pokemon, in the collectible things at all? Or just, no, no, not like, at all. No. <laughs> she, she do like, uh, she, she does like um, Pokemon, uh, no, uh, Sailor Moon. But that's oh, yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then, when you decided to make a career of it, and you you dedicated hours and hours and hours and hours uh, building your collection and trading to generate more revenue to also collect more stuff, uh, is it at this time that you really started to collect more unique and valuable pieces and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I had the aim of acquiring these items for a very long time. Even as a child, uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to discover those cards back then, the, the like the big cards, especially the Japanese one, because I was in Paris mainly. And in Paris, you have a shop. It's called um, Junkudo. It's a very famous uh, Japanese shop where they sell books and other imported items from Japan. And they, they imported one item, we call it the Silver Bible, because it has all of the Japanese cards from first release to, I think, 2001, back then, including the trophies. And um, and they were magazines 
in France, where you can find in, the, in some shops, they were translating articles from the US and Japan, and they were already talking about these cards. So for me, I, I wasn't discovering two, two cards, and I was always dreaming of getting my hands on the, these uh, rails, basically. So when I came back in 2014, 2015, I said, okay, if I have the chance, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. And that was kind of my uh, main goal. And, and the more I was building my uh, collection and it was growing, I, I see that the capital was enough to get two cards. So I was thinking, mm, maybe I can go all in and secure at least one. And that's how it started. So I secured one and then a second and then a third and, and so on and so on. And the process was basically was <laughs> straightforward like this. <laughs> Yeah. And so you decided to focus uh, at least your, your Holy Grail, your big items would be Japanese, uh, Japanese card, right? Yeah. There were like yeah. four main items that, were, that was, that, that I was aiming for and three of them are Japanese. Yeah. Mm. And one is a, an English uh, one. Mm. And so maybe just quickly for people <clears throat> that don't know anything about that for the question I'm going to be asking. So basically. I don't know, for the people listening or watching, when you were a kid, you could buy cards in your in any store and you had just the card, the, the cardboard. And now if you want to protect your card and if you want to, uh, if you're a collector, you can send your card to a company that's going to grade the card. So is it going to look at the quality of the card? They're going to say, okay, there is a scratch there. There is thing or this card is looking perfect. It's immaculate. It's, a, it's really perfect. And they're going to put a score uh, between zero and 10. If you have a 10, you're the happiest guy in the world. And and usually the, the holy grail is to have the right card with a 10 or a 9 or whatever it is. Uh, so were you interested in collecting those graded cards or you were focusing on raw cards? No, no. Funny enough, when I started in 2014, and you explained very well the, graded, uh, the grading companies, uh, in, I met a guy named Thomas, 444 Masilago, that's his nickname in the hobby, is very famous. And uh, he was heavily into uh, graded cards. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, maybe the only one in France back then that was doing that. So I find the idea quite interesting because when I was a kid, having mean cards, uh, like super quality uh, items, it wasn't a thing until the end of the two years of the heavy, heavy collection, mm -hmm. heavy collecting. So it, it, stayed, it stayed in my mind. And in 2014, when I started, I started to remembering that I have to keep good cards in mint condition and stuff like that. And that's when I discovered those grading companies. And Thomas, he gave me like a super insights of how to grade cards, how to get them from the US and everything, avoid uh, import taxes even. <laughs> so, so that was how I started. I started fairly early. And back then, it was fairly cheap to uh, grade cards compared yeah. to today. So I was buying... Uh, almost only graded cards, which was way more affordable than even three years after. So that's why I, that's how I get to know the graded cards. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so when the, the business became to be successful, let's say like you, well, at least you could see that you could make a living out of it. You could pay your rent, have food and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, that's when eventually the market became crazy at the beginning of the pandemic then, right? Yeah, that's correct. It was uh, early uh, 2020, uh, right before the pandemic. Um, I, had, I had always an issue with the, the business, let's say. All of my cash flow was going to my collection or stock, depending on how you, you sing it. So I was really uh, savvy, let's say, which <laughs> can be a problem in, in some couple, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> but... Um, and in 2020, uh, in 2019, I got a, a child. So I had to make like real decision. And in March, I remember March, I was thinking, okay, I will sell part of my collection, secured everything. But then COVID came. So I got, uh, I got a bit uh, frightened. I said, okay, I should sell. I was selling like maybe uh, two, three cards. And two weeks later, those cards, they double in value. So I was, mm, there's something going on. Maybe I should hold again to my, <laughs> my items. 
And uh, as you know, 2020 was the craziest year for, I think, any collection. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, because also maybe to, to explain that to the people who don't know anything about that. So when pandemic, lockdown, everyone is stuck at home. Some people got follow, stuff like that. What are the guys doing? They're going online, going on eBay. <laughs> there's no sports to watch on TV. There's nothing to do. Let's look at things on eBay. And and there's also the cycle. Uh, people that are right now in their 30s were back when Pokemon was started, like kids. And then 25 years later, those people are making a good amount of money. Usually in your 30s, that's when, when you start to have a career, you have money to spend potentially. And well, here we are. The US is sending a stimulus check. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend it on eBay. That's, that's, you know, let's do some shopping. And, and yeah, the entire market exploded. And then Logan Paul and other celebrities got into it talked about it on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, did, did live on YouTube and that went even more viral because it started to reach normal people rather than just the geeky, nerdy guys that just <laughs> like the game. It started to reach like so many people and everyone was talking about it. And yeah, prices just skyrocketed yeah. suddenly. <laughs> we were breaking records after record every week, basically. And people were holding into their items because they were afraid to uh, losing money kind of they were making huge profit but really you come two weeks later your item can be a double or quadruple and also you had a lot of crypto guys they came over they were like spending crazy you had as you say successful guy in the 30s and people i think they also wanted to have this uh, sense of nostalgia because i think the the covid was very tough for a lot of people worldwide and to go back to that community sense and it was you we were stuck at home and Kind of luckily enough, we, we had that social media exit mm. where you can enjoy life in a certain way, meet the world. And it has really it was a huge leverage for anything you, you were doing on social media. I think everybody that had e-commerce back then it was a, the right place to yeah. be, at least yeah. business-wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when did you realize that what you were collecting was becoming financially something like crazy you know uh, did, did you have a moment that one day you're like oh shit, actually i i have something that is very valuable here my life is changing yeah, at the yeah. moment. did you have a moment like that i think it was in 2019 really 2019 uh i got the chance to uh, to get a very desirable uh, item for in the pokemon uh, community and at some point the value matched matched the price of a, a flat next to where i was living and but it's not like a crazy flat but still you see imagine you have like a, a little piece of cardboard yeah, it's, credit card it's still thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars basically you have like a credit card size item that you can trade <laughs> I'm, I'm summing up the but the idea is like this and you get a, a real flat and the flat is something for i think the majority of the humanity that sense of security since I, I, yeah. I wasn't owning any uh, real estate. So for me coming like for a mo from a modest background it was crazy. And I really realized, yeah. oh, okay, so it's, it's becoming serious now. Like I, I, I knew there were a potential, but when it, it, it's factual and you see the value, what people were offering you and serious people say, oh, wow. Okay. So it's happening now. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, in three years, that's how everything came to end. In 2020, one year later, it was uh, it was over. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very big flat then. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a building. <laughs> and so you know, when you so you got serious about it, you were becoming again successful. Price are going up. Um, did you think about and also i get the thing like next week the price is going to be double so maybe i'm going to wait but did you and maybe your wife especially as you were having a child at some point did you discuss about okay maybe let's try to think a little bit uh this is not gonna last forever maybe maybe we should sell some stuff to i don't know become normal people yeah. <laughs> quote unquote and and take this money and and you know buy an apartment or invest it into i don't know whatever like did you have this discussion because you were scared that you know this was 
an opportunity of a lifetime and it might never happen again. Absolutely. We had this, this discussion like many, many times. We were coming back and forth, back and forth. Mm. And uh, it was crazy because for us, like, like the majority of people, we were working, planning to get a mortgage. And in one move, you, get, get, you can get what people are waiting for 20 years, 25 years. So for us, it was, we were really realizing what's happening. So we were going back and forth, but the idea was, so what's the risk with that, uh, let's say investment, if you call it that way, it's either it goes up like crazy or it loses the, the value. But luckily enough, I was winning to an extent that even if it drops, I was, I was still kind of winning kind of. Uh, I was missing maybe uh, some square meters <laughs> if we took a lot of flight. Yeah, yeah. But I was already winning, so it will be, uh, I don't know how you see in English, but it was uh, un manque à gagner, as we see in French. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, because also the way any market actually involves is that it goes up, but when it drops, usually most of the time it doesn't drop back to yeah. where it was at the beginning. So it's it's always eventually like going up like exactly. that. So even if the market drops, you you would have make a profit because you got in so early in the game. Correct. That even even a bad day would be a very good day in the grand scheme of things. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about perspective. Yeah, we reach some levels that normally in any market, it wouldn't drop under that, and and this is a crazy recession or something even worse happened. But he was pretty sure I was like in a good position. And, and, and then I, I was like kind of gambling. I said, okay, let's continue the adventure and see what happened. Because I, I fixed, uh, I, was, um, I was aiming for a certain date or value. And if I can reach that point, that's where I will make a decision. I'll take a decision. Like I'll say, okay, either I sell, trade, or do uh, this and that. And, and luckily enough, uh, I pursued. <laughs> The fight. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you about money? Yeah, sure. Or is that a no go? No, you can tell I'll, I'll try my best to answer. <laughs> like, you can say no if you don't want to answer, but what's the most amount you've spent on a card? Because hmm. to me, it's like crazy that people spend money on this. Yeah. I know it's, I can see it's valuable and you can then, you know, it doubles in value and things, but I can't imagine ever spending more than five pounds on a card. No. So I'm just wondering, like, what's the most. That you're willing to say that you've spent on a car. I will, I will answer that, but uh, to uh, to continue what you were saying, when I started, I really felt very uh, awkward spending money on a card. And the first time I was uh, paying a card more than 100 euros, I was like, what are you doing? It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Really, I, I was feeling very bad, but then uh, it, 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 was, it was okay, but it was really tough at the beginning. So money was just talking just about money. The, the highest paid was 50,000 uh, 50, euros, which is a mm -hmm. very nice car if you compare. And the highest trade I've made is 350,000 USD. So if I had sold the item, that's why I would have paid the card. So yeah, that's... <laughs> so you bought it for 50,000, but it was worth 350,000? No, no, I bought uh, cash-wise, I oh. bought an item 50,000. Uh, and another yeah. item, I. I traded it for 350. So the way was okay. either you pay 350 cash or you give me those items that are worth 350. So, right. Was that the Bloody Pikachu hell. illustrator? And that was the Pika trophy number two. Yeah. That's big numbers. Yeah, it's huge numbers. <laughs> like for someone like me that, well, like that doesn't get it, like I don't watch Pokemon trading. I mean, those are big number for anyone yeah. anyway. Yeah, like, but, but you, whether you understand it or not. Yeah, but especially because I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I get it. I'm like, what? Well, maybe just to give some context, actually, why are those cards so valuable? Can you explain that? Yeah. You, you mentioned it already. Pokemon today is the biggest franchise by far. So you have like big franchises. Yeah. I don't think I don't think people realize no, no, that. I wasn't yeah. even myself realizing it because you don't want to be too biased and you're so into it and sometimes you don't see the surrounding. So for, for you, it's natural. Mm. That's why I mentioned many times, it's really a natural process. And I enjoy what, I, what I'm doing. I'm not thinking too much or even though I crush numbers and you have to, because when you arrive to that extent, you have to be a, a bit uh, careful, of course. And mm. um, when I, I, I realized that Pokemon is a huge franchise, but uh, beating Marvel, uh, Hello Kitty, Disney, 
Batman and stuff like that. I was okay. So it's something uh, really crazy. And those items, they are very uh, rare. Like for example, the Pika officially, there are only four of them. And <clears throat> my idea is to compare what uh, could be similar to Pokemon. And we had like sports cards, which is massive mm -hmm. in US and a bit in Japan, other countries and comics. So you had that uh, background and feedbacks from former collectors or even collectors that, that are 40 or 50 years old. And they give you really good insights about that. And you cannot always compare, but at least it gives you a, a good approach how you can uh, secure some item. And for me, it, it made totally sense that I have to acquire as soon as possible this card. And you see today you have like a huge celebrity such as Logan Paul, Aoki. Uh, uh, you have crypto guys, they're, they're making uh, millions. They're going heavily into that. So that was the DDID. Yeah, as simple as that. Yeah, because I mean, whatever it is in the world, if there's only four items, you, you can bet that there's at least more than five people in the world who are going to want it. You know, we tend to forget yeah. us. There's like seven or eight billion human beings. Yeah. When something is only, there's only four items of anything, it can be anything, you, you're going to have more than people looking for those items because you have people that likes to collect anything. <laughs> when you think about that. Right. And, and then it's just a friend demand. Like you have 20 people interested for only four pieces. Well, they're going to fight for it. And then the price goes up. It's just... It's like when Ferrari releases a car and it's only 20 units or 200 units, right? Like yeah. all the rich people wants to buy it and the price go crazy because it's a limited edition. And, and yeah, Absolutely, whatever yeah. whatever the item is just it's just the way the world works, I guess. Well, yeah. And also, I was thinking our generation, will they, will, will they like sports cards, comics, even art like Van Gogh, Rembrandt, things like that? I said, mm, maybe not. To, to, um, I'm, exa I'm exaggerating the comparison, but, yeah, but that was the idea. And today we, we see that people from 20 up to 40, they really enjoy Pokemon as a art, collectible, investment, whatever. And it makes, it makes totally sense when, but you have to really uh, read a lot, gather as many information yeah. as you can get to really have a huge spectrum of what could happen. You never know for sure, nobody knows for sure, but it helps to uh, measure the risk you're taking. So that was the, the approach I, I had uh, back then. And, yeah. I think, sorry, I think that's the thing is when you just said then about it becoming an investment. And I think once you switch your mindset from being like, it's essentially a kid's toy and it's a card to then it's an investment and it's a business that's actually making money like that mindset switch doesn't really matter what you're selling so long as you're buying something at a certain price and selling it for more it's a business mm. it doesn't really matter what it is and it's interesting we said the word investment because i can now kind of understand it a bit more because you know the value that certain things are worth so if you're buying it for less and then selling it for more well then it's it is an investment and it's yeah yeah, yeah it's interesting you use that word it kind of like switched something <laughs> in my brain a little bit <laughs> yeah 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 you you have people they wanted to protect their capital so they buy the buying gold, watches, cars, uh, whatever. And they say, okay, I can enjoy Pokemon and at least protect my capital, my money and everything. Mm. So that's the, the chain of thought that people, I think from our generation, a bit older, they, they were, yeah. they were doing and making and yeah, that's how yes. it came. And when I was seeing that I feel very uncomfortable spending money on items, what helped me, what helped what helped me back then is okay i'm not losing money at least mm. yeah so because it was very uh, i was very uncomfortable way more than you think so it helped me i said okay at least i can enjoy a hobby like i really enjoyed it i was learning everything but that i forgot <laughs> and more and i was kind of uh, saying okay my money is safe and uh, that's a that's a good way of enjoying uh, the hobby from my point yeah. of view yeah. i wonder how you What's your relationship now with the, the cards and the thing? Because what started as a pure hobby, uh, I'm just going to collect that because I like it, with no financial interest at all. It doesn't matter how, how, how much value I have. I just like to have those cards because they make me happy. But then at some point, because your collection became so big, it's becoming a financial asset in your life. And and you have this, 
you know, like your heart and your brain, right? Like my heart is like, I love those. I, I really enjoy them. But your brain is like, dude, this is worth hundreds of thousands. This can be life changing. You sell that, you put it in a bank. That can send your kid, you know, to this school. That can help your mother do that. Like, um, how do you manage this yeah, relationship between this is something I enjoy and I collect because I like it and the financial side of it? Yeah, it was funny enough. It was a long process through the years, even though I knew the answer, but to accept it and like integrate it, let's say, okay, that's the thing. You mentioned something very accurate is life changing. When I saw that the collection was really could be life changing, I was okay. No, we have to be less, not less passionate, but we have to take some hard decision as a collector. And I was discussing with fellow hobbyists from many, uh, many uh, horizons, uh, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Dragon Ball, you name it. And one guy told me, okay, let's I'll give you an example. You have your collection, you sell it, you buy a house, you'll be sad because you sold your collection. But every time you see that house, you remember that collection and it's part of it kind of, and you can restart from zero. And mm. it will give you a security. Tomorrow you have house of cards. It's not a security. So I think at some point, because I was also uh, kind of, when I reached that level, then it was uh, fairly um, clear to me. I, everybody knew the answer at some point. I, I was also advising some people kind of, and to be more open about it because for some collector, it's very hard to talk about it because it can be judged or they cannot articulate really what they think. and. Sometimes it can be it can be misinterpreted, and uh, I was saying in a live, in a French live that at some point I think you have to talk openly about it because if it changes life lives, we have mm. to uh, take it uh, seriously, and that's how I, I really um, I really I was processing for years how I can really uh, be ready to let go to the items for what you say really uh, perfectly for the time changing. Because, of course, you sell your collection, I'll be very sad. There are pieces uh, when I I'll be selling, I, I will be devastated. But what I get, and especially uh, especially now having a family, and I know how people can struggle, I, I cannot, I cannot like uh, play too, uh, how can I say? I, I feel I'll be insulting some people by just keeping the cards when it can change lives, you know? So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, at some point I will sell a chunk and I have, I'm fortunate enough to keep the uh, good item. So yeah, it's a good compromise. Yeah. Hmm. So is that something that you, you started doing like selling some items to maybe do yeah, things yeah. in your life? Yeah. Something so to yeah. save and, uh, yeah. And, uh, I, I, as I say, I'm lucky that the collection is so, so big now that even I have the chance to, to keep some items or of course there are items I will never get them. You never know, but, you know, you're fighting with really big players. <laughs> They're happy. I'm happy. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. And when you, you consider it's the same at any level, either you're, you're modest or you're super rich, there are items you're selling to finance your collection, your goals, and things like that. And there are items you will never get back because they are super rare mm. or the, the people, they don't want to uh, give them away or whatever. But And funny enough, I, I was telling you that I'm collecting, I was collecting mainly uh, graded cards and I start little, little by little selling them. But what, what I'm doing now, it's getting binders of ungraded cards of the same cards. So my passion and my love for cards is the same, just they are not graded. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a way also uh, of dealing with this kind of uh, emotion. Yeah, yeah, you, you still have the cards. It's just the, the value exactly. is a little bit different. The, the, at least you, you still enjoy the, the card by itself. Yeah. Correct. Also, something that I was I've seen on your Instagram that is, I think, quite ironic is you start collecting something you you really like it. So you know, as any collector, you might have one on your desk and one there because you know you like it and stuff like that. And then five years later, this card that you have on your desk or at the office or whatever is suddenly worth ten, twenty, fifty, forty k. Like maybe I should move it from the desk to somewhere a bit more <laughs> secured because you know like and yeah can you tell us about that and how 
some items you have to secure them because they just suddenly became so valuable they can't just stand on the yeah. shelf anymore. So yeah, we were basically collecting with friends and it was growing up, growing up, and the prices were like going crazy. And now it started. We started to hear some very bad uh, news. People they get uh, robbed or even not worse, but they, they lost the whole collection. And I was thinking, oh, it's it's complicated, especially in, in Europe and maybe in the US. Um, but in Europe, in Netherlands, Germany, even in France, I had a friend. He was uh, he was robbed by a guy from the community. So I was oh. How, how, how can I handle this? And then uh, I was thinking, okay, I cannot afford to keep some items in my house or my place. And I, sh I have, unfortunately, to put them in a vault. But the good part of that is you missing to the item so much that if you go back to the bank, I hate going there and seeing that. But it's like you're meeting a friend that you haven't seen for months <laughs> and the pleasure you have to uh, when you have the cards in hand can be uh, bigger than if you see them every day yeah, even it's though Christmas it's very again. cold it's uh, <laughs> metal everywhere but that's how i, I convinced myself to let them in the vault but the, yeah. Yeah, the idea was uh, more a security uh, here in the in the uae it's very safe so it's okay but mm. you will you never know what could happen. Also, yeah. it's not it's not also that you can be robbed or whatever. But if uh, there is fire, you have water yeah. damage or things like that. It's just paper and plastic with the encapsulation. Yeah. So you have to be you have to be a bit careful about that. Yeah. I was going to say when you were saying that about <laughs> it's like absence makes the heart go stronger. People say that about relationships, don't they? But I can kind of understand that. Like if you don't get to see it every day. And then when you do see it, it's like a special, like, oh my God, okay, I can see yeah. this thing that's so special to me. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah, because uh, I was putting uh, items in the vault in Germany, for example, and I was in France. And I knew the moment I'll go to Germany, like in three months, I'll make an appointment with the bank. It's like a whole process, like you you mm. meeting your girlfriend, like you <laughs> haven't seen for three months. And that's the idea. I, I, I was kind of enjoying the, that process, but yeah. If I could, I would love to have my items every day with me and see them. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit also about how the hobby changed your life in terms of like traveling, meeting people, doing you know cool things that you would have never get to do yeah. before getting into that? So, something that really changed. Uh, in the mid twenties, I was traveling a lot already because of my jobs and everything. So I really and I, I really enjoy traveling, meeting new people, even though I'm really. Uh, I'm not shy, but reserved a bit. So what helped me It's getting out of my comfort zone. For example, when I've done the video with Leonard, I was like, well, what should I do? And everything I said, okay, we have one life, let's go for it. And it happened, <laughs> whatever happened, happened, you know? <laughs> and it really gave me more uh, confident, confidence, mm -hmm. confident. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, I get to meet very inspiring people. They give me great insight, uh, help me with my, uh, my goals. Either it was collection, we were building projects that are um, revolving around the community, the hobby and everything. So that's a new uh, way of enjoying the hobby. So every every now and then there is a new project that's maybe not collecting cards, but I don't know, building a new company, uh, creating events, going for video, like you, meeting you, doing interviews. Yeah. It's something I would have never thought. I was very shy yeah. to, to do that. <laughs> so yeah. That's uh, that's how the the hobby is helping me today, kind of. So everything you've talked about so far is physical products. Have you got into the NFT space and started purchasing digital money and digital <laughs> art and things? To be honest, no, <laughs> no, because um, not that not like I don't like uh, NFT. I always try to be as much as possible open-minded with everything because sometimes you have, you have your first reaction and then I try to go beyond that. And see maybe something I haven't understood or whatever. And I have friends; they are into, they are heavily into crypto, hence uh, NFTs. And uh, I have one NFT mm -hmm. that that has been given out by a friend. <laughs> but okay. otherwise, no. I because I just don't enjoy it as much as physical assets, and I don't mm. yet understand what could be the the possibilities. The goal, yeah. yeah, it's still very new, isn't it? It's but maybe yeah. just to carry on this question if tomorrow 
Pokemon announced that they're releasing the first NFT collection, what yeah. would you do? <laughs> I will, I will jump. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to support the hobby, kind of. <laughs> no, I will love you're, you're waiting for the right time and for the right yeah, thing yeah. to come out. <laughs> no, I just, uh, and yeah, I, I, I just don't understand really how I can uh, enjoy that first and yeah. I don't see how it will go or which direction it will take. So. I just leave it now and maybe in the long run. I think there are yeah. things that can be done with NFTs in the metaverse and everything. But I think metaverse is very new and projects will come like crypto. It took me years before to before understanding what could be the possibilities with that. For example, crypto, I'm doing a bit of crypto. I'm not like heavy into that. But the moment I start to understanding, oh, okay, you can do this, that is very interesting for this and that. So, okay, I'll, I'll go for it. When I don't understand something, it's very rare. I'll, I'll, I'll do it, yeah. Jump into it, yeah. It's so nice listening to you speaking because everything you've said is that, like, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't enjoy an FT, so I'm not going to yeah. do it. And, like, I wouldn't collect something else because I wouldn't enjoy it. Like, I like the fact that you enjoy Pokemon, you collect Pokemon and various other ones, I can't remember what they were. <laughs> but I love that you stick to what you enjoy, even if other things could make you money as well. If you're not going to enjoy it, you're not going to do it. And I think that's so valuable for, <clears throat> excuse me, for so many people to kind of listening, maybe... Pokemon isn't their thing, but maybe playing the guitar is. And, you know, hearing that somebody can make money and a job from doing something they enjoy is so inspirational to so many different people from from so many different passions as well. So it's great to kind of hear that you stick with what you like, not just chasing the money. So I think that's True, yeah. that's really inspiring. Yeah, thank you. And to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit uh, a lazy guy. So <laughs> if I don't <laughs> enjoy what I'm doing, it will be impossible to do that. And today I'm... I'm I'm, I'm good, let's say, financially speaking, I'm good. Uh, I'm, normally, I hope that everything will go that way. Now I'm doing many only projects that I enjoy. I go heavily into it. I like to work with the people I want. So I'm, I, I know I'm very fortunate compared to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, to enjoy what you, you're doing, I think it's, it should be a motto for uh, anybody. But making I know that some some hobby making a life out of it can be very tough especially artists creative uh, uh, jobs but it's really what i kind of advise i cannot really say to someone what you have to do or something but yeah that's mm. what I, I try to do for myself at least yeah yeah and i think it's also important because again if you go back to why you started you started because you enjoy it yes it became a financial success and it changed your life but ultimately it's something that you enjoy and if for whatever reason the money disappear the the financial interest around pokemon drops at least you have something that you still like looking at Absolutely. not something that every day you say why the hell did i buy this thing for 10k that's <laughs> ugly as hell and now it's worth one dollar and i don't like it you know uh, at least you enjoy it you know i really re i hope i will really enjoy pokemon until the end it's really uh my love from my childhood and I enjoy everything. Until today, I'm still buying Pokemon, so it speaks to itself, so yeah. 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 And I was wondering if you, so you, collecting cards was the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, becoming your own boss, having your own business and everything. And that was a success, a financial success that you enjoy doing and everything. Are you now also trying maybe to reinvest this money or to try different things outside of the Pokemon uh, environment, like trying to play with other things, invest in company, I don't know, like trying to diversify your... Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, yeah. As I mentioned, I, I invest in crypto. I invest uh, in, in real estate, crowdfunding uh, real estate. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm, yeah. So you're buying shares with other people and building projects. Um, well, what I'm investing in, uh, yeah, real estate, like physical uh, flat for uh, my family, for example, that's something my, that's one of my goals. And um, and projects around the, the hobby, I was uh, involved in projects you see on Instagram, things like that. So yeah, and uh, even event we are doing now events, which is a new <laughs> new adventure. Yeah, I've seen you, you did an event recently in Paris, no? Absolutely right? yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so basically the idea was uh, we, we noticed that in, in France, in Europe, there were no uh, like convention just for TCG. 
like big conventions. Like they were like small, maybe 100, 200, and that's it. But nothing really major with an, exhi- at, with an, an exhibition of very high-end items that we and I, a friend of mine uh, have we could have helped just build that uh, part. And at the end, we wanted to include a dinner. So I was going to the U.S., and I was seeing the, U- the U.S. is huge, like 300 million mm-hmm. uh, packs. Yeah, it's like Europe. Yeah. It's like Europe, yeah, exactly. But they're, they are running uh, Collecticon and convention every two months. I was like, wow, we should do something like this, at least in France. And that was one of my main goals with some friends. And in 2019, so we had three years ago, we were thinking, okay, now let's go. We'll, we'll build something. Then came the international uh, <laughs> problems we, we, we know. So in 2020, we have to wait. 2021, we had one day that has been canceled. Early 2022, same. And 23rd of April uh, last month, we had yeah. that convention that was that even that was combining during the day from 9 to 4 p.m. Uh, and convention, starting from 7.30 to 9.30 uh, the evening um, an exhibition with the very high-end cards, not only Pokemon, but magic, uh, drawings. Uh, there, there was also an artist. He, he had done very beautiful art, uh, Pokemon-related, uh, and he was selling NFTs. That was uh, something that we wanted to kind of cool. surf hmm. on the wave. <laughs> and at the end of the day was a dinner, and we were lucky enough to, um, to welcome for the convention almost 600 people during the day, wow. and 180 people for the dinner, which is almost wow. 800. And I never mm. have done any <laughs> convention in my life, any dinner to that extent. <laughs> I'm very bad at cooking, so it was, a, <laughs> it was a very, it was a blast. Everybody enjoyed. And after two years of COVID, I think people yeah. really wanted to meet mm. people in real life. And we are so active on social media. And I know guys, for years, I know their life, family, children, <laughs> grandmothers, grandfathers, but I, have, I haven't met them in person, which is mm. weird when you think of it, especially our generation, the, born in the 80s and 90s, we were meeting yeah. uh, in person. And uh, in that event, really, we felt like a family, like a, not even a community, but a, a really like a family. And we met people like we, we knew each other for years. And that was really uh, what I wanted. And uh, yeah. That was a, a success in that way, at least. Yeah. Mm. I think it's a really cool message also, because I think, um, you know, in the world, like, especially when you're a bit young, um, you, you like something that might be a little bit different than all the cool kids at school. And you feel, you know, alone, you, you feel like the weirdo or whatever. And, and maybe if you live in a small town, you don't have anyone else enjoying this hobby that you like. And you struggle to find people to make friends and it's amazing that those obviously social media internet we can have online now i think you can be interested in literally anything you will find a community online of at least hundreds of people yeah about literally anything that you can think about the most absurd thing i'm sure you will find a bunch of people in the world that would like it as well and you can find your friends that you can't find in your town because yeah and this is uh, abs- this is the beauty of internet and stuff like that. Absolutely, it it opens doors to a, a new world, and as you said, you can it's endless. It's endless. You can discover everything, cultures, collection, hobby, uh, adventure. Well, it's, uh, that's the very very good part about internet and social media. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So maybe just to to finish the episode, uh, well, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask you a few questions, and when I will edit the episode, I'm gonna pop things on the screen so people can see what we're talking about. Okay. But could you maybe tell us like, uh, and I'm not gonna speak about financial value. It's more like you, your heart more than your brain. <laughs> uh, what are like your three most precious dear card? that you will try to hold on oh, well, items actually, because there might be boxes also, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like your, your three most precious item that you have in your collection. And I'll try to put them in the screen. Yeah. Uh, there, there are items that uh, it will be difficult for you to put in the screen is all the yeah. gifts that people gave me through the, oh. the years. That's something I will keep forever. Either they're very cheap or expensive. That's that's, I hope 
I can hold to them for, for years. And um, there are two items that I really enjoy. There is one is a Shining Gariados, the Japanese version. I love the artwork. It reminds me of my childhood. It's when really it was the peak of the collection. And I always have very good memory, memories thanks to this card. Even though it wasn't a Japanese back then, but that Japanese, because I love Japanese cards for many reasons, colors, fonts, and, th and things like that. And the second one is the number two Pika for what it symbolizes. Not for the card itself, but for... It's like Ash from Pokemon. He got the last badge from the last trainer. And that was the feeling I had. Really, when I got that card, I feel like a sense of accomplishment. I say, okay, I, I've reached the top of what I was aiming, and now I'm, I'm feeling complete in that sense. And now I can kind of enjoy the life more slowly and, yeah. Yeah, that was your, the, the, the big vision of your collection is I want this item and yeah, that exactly, makes sense. Yeah. that's cool. The, the first answer is amazing. Mm. Though. All the items that you got from the people that you meet, this is, yes, I it's... love that. And, and maybe on the same theme, like if you could get your hands on three items that, again, the value of them doesn't matter if they cost 10 million at the moment. Like if you could get three items delivered at your door tomorrow, uh, yeah. which one would you pick? Yeah, the, I would love to complete the Pikas because it, it comes, it's a first, second and third place. I have the second place, which is a, one of, for me, the one of the best set ever. And there is maybe my main goal and unfortunately it will be a crazy money. Uh, it's the, an original art of a base set um, of, a, of the first Pokemon set drawn by artists. And something that you can mm. find for magic, for Harry Potter, things like that. But for Pokemon, never there been one art that has been even disclosed. I think just three were in the London Museum at some point. Oh, wow. And it wasn't even the finished uh, piece. Uh, so mm. that will be like, as a collector, not it's worth crazy money. That's We cannot deny it. <laughs> yeah. That's something I will keep for sure. For sure, because mm. that's weird. you cannot, for me, you cannot beat that. So I, I've met artists, they sign things. So yeah, that's something I will uh, really enjoy. And mm. another thing I like, um, like prototype. I would love to see the first ever prototype of cards. And I would love to have at least one of these. That would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a card on, on the app that I'm using on Rally where on the front you have Blastoise and on the back it's like a magic, the gathering yes. the back. And I think that was a prototype that like a misprint in the factory or... Yeah, that's, you, you're totally correct. That like they that. were starting yeah. to print things and uh, testing the colors, font, position and everything. And they was Wizard of the Coast back then that was in charge of printing Pokemon cards for the non-Japanese market and non-Asian non market, let's say. And they were successful with magic. So what they were doing, just using... using a magic uh, uncut sheets and just printing Pokemon over it and some <laughs> some stuff they, they kept that and <laughs> lucky enough for them because uh, it's uh, it's crazy it's but for me it's not something I will really under uh, I want to really have like the Japanese first ever prototype that will be mm. yeah I will be more than happy <laughs> manifest it put it out there you never know what's gonna happen right never know yeah because, you know, like, it's interesting, you're saying, financially speaking, this is something I'll never be able to get. But I'm sure if we would have had this conversation 10 years ago, when you, no, let's say in 2014, when you started collecting again, I don't think you would have ever imagined that it would be possible to have some of the items that you have now, no. right? You would have been like, I'll never be able to spend that much money on those cards. No, it's, uh, it's crazy because sometimes it's really a matter of luck. And a friend of mine, you mm. see, you create your own luck, kind of. But I understand in the way, the moment the the luck appears, you're ready for it, kind of. That's maybe mm. what he meant by that. And I was so into it that when the opportunity came, I don't know, maybe it's, you call it karma or whatever, but I was ready for it. And yeah. But yeah, I would never have thought that he would have brought me so far. And I'm very, very happy. Mm. Yeah. And especially... Um, on the personal level, like uh, how you can grow up as a person. Uh, I see the world even totally differently from eight years ago to, to now, yeah. Which is mm. because if tomorrow I lose all of my items, 
what I, the adventure, the experiments and everything will always stay with me. And that's for yeah. me, it's maybe the most valuable thing or all of what we spoke before. Yeah. Mm. yeah all the connection that you made all the people that you met all the skills also because even if it's just buying and selling pokemon cards you've acquired skills about finding the right items and getting them for the right price and selling them for another price you know those those skills are valuable in any industry in a way and uh, so yeah nothing nothing is wasted in life no experience is a waste of time and money and and stuff i agree with that so exactly yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Nasser. That's been really, really amazing chatting with you yeah. and and, I really enjoyed it. and discovering your story, you know, <laughs> uh, having a little behind the scene of how it all happened. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate the time. I really enjoyed it. The time flew uh, like crazy. And, uh, thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for your time. <laughs> have one last question. Yeah, we have one last question that we like to ask people. Um, I'm interested to know your answer for this. Yeah. I think I already maybe know, but I don't know. So our question is, if you could speak to anybody who is famous or not, and they can be dead or alive, who you think would be the most interesting person to speak to, who would you choose and why and what would you want to talk about? Wow. <laughs> wow. Give me a, a second. Yeah. Wait. Take your time. Who I will meet. I have no clue, really. <laughs> so many uh, inspiring people. So many options. Yeah, it's one person. Wow. I, I really, I, I have no an answer. I don't know if it's possible to have no answer with that. What's What's coming in your head? Is it Pokemon related or not? For a start, because I was thinking maybe the creator of Pokemon. I don't know who that is, but yeah, uh, one of the main artists for Pokemon is named Ken Sugimori. I would love to meet him. Mm. Because mm. uh, he he was he he has drawn the the art that you saw in the, in merchandising in very famous cards and things like that and it was I think for me it's kind of the spirit of Pokemon so I would love to meet him for that sometimes they say don't meet your heroes but I would love to to meet him <laughs> but historically speaking no there are too many I cannot <laughs> pick one I would, yeah. I would have seen Michael Jackson I would have loved to meet him but uh, ah Just, uh, that's an interesting I like one. This one yeah. No one ever said Michael Jackson yeah. before. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just uh, music-wise, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, if people want to see what you do, uh, get in touch with you, say hi, uh, see a little bit of your collection, what's the best way to, to find you and to reach out? Yeah, the, the social media I'm using the most is uh, uh, Instagram. So you can reach out to me uh, to my account uh, to my in my to my account. It's Mister underscore Fuji underscore, and just uh, mm -hmm. shoot me a, a message. Sometimes I take time to answer, but I will always answer. That's something uh, I will always do. <laughs> he does. I can attest on that. He did. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your patience. <laughs> no, right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time once again. Really appreciate it. Pleasure is on mine. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. We will make sure that we leave all of your links in the description box in the show notes. Make sure that everybody has subscribed and following and do all of the things. Thank you so much for listening or watching on YouTube. And we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Thank you so much, Nassar, for telling us your story, for sharing all of that information. I've learned so much. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.